Hello fellow humans and welcome to another edition of Very Fine. We're switching things up a bit. Instead of me droning on about comic books, we're going to be exploring some questions that you may have about comic books themselves and I'm going to do my darndest to answer them. We have a couple questions this week that deserve attention. First up, K. Van Antwerpen asks, does the human torch pee fire? Flame on! They ask a very good question because we at the Court of Nerds love peeing. But to answer a question like this, we have to consider a couple things about the composition of Johnny Storm, the Human Torch. First, is he tangible when he is in his flame mode? For this part of the query, we have hundreds of issues of Fantastic Four and other Marvel comics that feature Johnny getting beat up and assaulted while in his Human Torch form. He's been assaulted by everyone from Namor the Submariner to the Super Skrull to even his teammate Ben Grimm. Were he purely heat and fire, the physical violence would go right through him and therefore his unique form wouldn't be comprised of intestines, blood, muscle, and even feces. Yet since he is tangible, how do his insides keep from disappearing in a poof of ash? Well, we have to assume that they are somehow shielded from the insane degree of heat he produces. In the Ultimate Fantastic Four storyline, Frightful, Johnny has a parasitic entity in his body that has essentially rendered him pregnant. If his insides were actually affected directly by the heat, this entity would simply be destroyed and the storyline would have no legs. But it does. He's pregnant. So through that, let's assume that his insides become impervious to the fire itself, blood and guts, and everything. With all that in mind, I think it's safe to say that no, in his human torch form, Johnny Storm does not pee actual fire. However... We can also say that were he to decide to take a whiz while flaming on, his urine would instantly turn to steam. And were he to take a dump, his poop would probably be a fiery, flaming turd, which would really be insulting to villains like the Wizard or Mole Man. Kevin Sledge Carly asks, Flat Man, Elongated Man, Plastic Man, and Mr. Fantastic, who can stretch the furthest? All have similar powers. All are completely different characters with completely different origins. Reed Richards was bombarded by cosmic rays, or, if we're using the Ultimate Universe, transported through the negative zone and given a fluid body from another dimension. Eel O'Brien was shot and dunked into a bizarre unknown chemical, and Ralph Dibney developed his own formula that activated his metagene and gave him extreme elasticity. For Mr. Fantastic, it's been noted that his maximum stretching distance is 1,500 feet, or the equivalent of five football fields, before he begins to experience extreme pain. This kind of resembles the elongated man, whose body also has a finite amount of material to work with before he can start to feel pain. From Screen Rant, despite his this limit, Ralph is fairly powerful. He can lengthen any part of his body to a range of up to one mile. In theory, Ralph could stretch further than that, but he runs the risk of blacking out or losing the offending limb if he pushes his heart's ability to pump oxygen-rich blood that far. It's also easier for him to focus if he can see what he's doing, so there's a practical visual limit on his powers as well. According to JLA number 200, it's stated that he can't stretch more than a mile, and that's pushing himself to the maximum. His blood vessels still have to have enough thickness to pump blood, so stretching that much means possibly blacking out. This effectively caps Disney at 5,280 feet maximum. Right on time! I'm ready for watchtower duty and raring to go! That's right! Plastic Man is on the job! As for Plastic Man, he's been touted by myriad noteworthy authors from Frank Miller to Grant Morrison to Jeff Johns as being one of the most powerful heroes on Earth due to his powers. 
His body is neither solid nor liquid, but instead some kind of cartoon-like putty that he has complete control over. He can change into literally anything he can imagine. With a power set like this, there is no known limit to his stretching ability, as his mass can so drastically be altered. So, with all that in mind, it goes Plastic Man, Elongated Man, and then Mr. Fantastic. Flatman is a joke of a character whose body only stretches as long as Great Lakes Avengers stories need, which is not that often and not that important, so who cares? Lastly, Josh Van Dam asks, is the hate towards Cyclops justified? This is kind of a subjective answer to a subjective question, and it's really a sticky wicket to try and untangle. There's such inconsistency within Marvel's books from the last nearly 20 years regarding Scott Summers that it's hard to identify a single reason. Was it when he left Jean Grey for Emma Frost? Is he a bad person for that? Honestly, I I don't fault him for that. He had just undergone a life-changing experience where he was bound to apocalypse, a traumatic event that would inarguably change the fundamental core of this or any character. Also, Gene and Scott are people and an incredible, unlikely life whose relationship problems are exacerbated by the myriad stressful situations. These two events, one alien to us and one that we can relate to, display why a change in character for Scott would make sense. But diehard fans would be hesitant to embrace this, even though Jean Grey sincerely wished Cyclops well in his new relationship with Emma in the new X-Men series by Grant Morrison. Was it when he killed Professor X? Again, this is a matter of the reader's interpretation towards the events filtered through Marvel's inconsistencies. Through some of the books, we see the Phoenix Force taking over the five hosts as the Force was shattered into five pieces, giving itself a valid reason for wigging out even more than it usually does, and forcing them to act in ways that they normally wouldn't, like killing a lifelong father figure. I choose to believe that the Phoenix brought latent darkness out of the characters eventually, and Cyclops simply experienced so much in his life during his journey to adulthood that he must have been drifting away from the teachings and beliefs of Xavier, forming his own thoughts and opinions on mutant-human relations. That darkness was tapped into by an alien god force that was already pretty loony, and boom, dead Charles. The aftermath is something that Marvel never really dealt with. In some comics, he was shown to have remorse towards his actions, though some comics had him indifferent. Some had him shouldering the responsibility of his actions, and some had him blaming the Phoenix itself. Marvel also ham-handedly tried to cast him as a Losa villain during the mutants' battles with the Inhumans, going so far as to have him called almost Hitler in the Champion series. This makes absolutely zero sense, considering that the mutants of Earth were facing extinction, and Cyclops was trying to save them, while everyone else thought they were being dicks for trying to get rid of some of the Terrigen Mists. Basically, people hate Cyclops because he's not the same noble prick from the 90s comics and cartoons. Don't you get it? I'm sick of the responsibility! I'm sick of being den mother to a bunch of quibbling children! I can't do it anymore! Most of all, I'm sick of caring. He has undertaken some extreme character development, some very well done, and some done with all the subtlety of slapping someone across the face with a dead fish. We also have to concede that some of this love-hate is perpetrated by social media, where folks will either die on the hill of Cyclops was right. Again, this is completely subjective, and that's just my take on this. I want to thank everyone for contributing questions, and I look forward to answering some more next week. 
take care uh, and be sure to follow us on your podcast provider. Give us some stars and a rating if you feel like it. Tune in to all of the, honestly, all of Sledge's podcasts are just batting a thousand right now. Also, please tune in to the Reverse Centaur RSS feed. You can also follow that and subscribe to it on any podcast provider, preferably through iTunes, where we would love it if you gave us some stars and reviews for our radio play through the engine of Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you later. Chance. I know the story seems long, but when I know the time is right for me and you, I just stay on. Stay on.